Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, man. <laughs> Let it ride. Hey, man. <laughs> you didn't have to shove that whole banana in your mouth five seconds before we went on the air. I know you always do better radio when you're aroused, and that's why I want to get right to the biggest sports stories of the day. Yes. Hello and welcome to the Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan I'm falling apart here. I've made several bad decisions right at the right at the jump ball. No, I think you're on fire. I'm asking you about HR stuff. <laughs> how do I how do I log into this website with 10 seconds before we start? And then I take a big bite of a bunch of peanuts. <laughs> but hey, we are super stoked about today's show. It is going to be a really really good one. Um, we've got secret proprietary audio of Dak Prescott in the huddle. Some of this was making the rounds yesterday. Dak Prescott, this was incredible. Do you have that audio, Shippy, by the way? Dak Prescott, I mean, you only had four hours to get it. It's not a problem. We 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 had Dak Prescott in the huddle yesterday saying, spicy nuggets are back. And that that really got everybody amped up. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, we, we even uh, referenced the old Joe Montana, the drive story, right? Where it's like, look how loose he is. He's keeping everybody loose with uh, his fun quips right before they yeah. go to the line of scrimmage. I think Shippy should have to reenact audio if we don't have it. Oh, the... Uh, yeah. Dak in the huddle. What did he say? Oh, yeah, yeah. Here we go. To Shippy's credit, I just asked him for some Aikman audio like 20 seconds ago. <laughs> I got that too, though, but here's yeah. Dak. Boom. Skip the flank right stack. 32 Sam. Alert X foot. Oh, spicy nuggets are back. I might have to stop on the way home. That is right. so great, That man. is great. It makes me wonder, too, how much fun stuff is being said in the huddle. Because I immediately thought of that time Zach Martin was thrusting. Yes. Like, it seems like there's a bunch it, of fun and games going on. Like, the, there's the victory formation from the offensive line. There's also Zach Martin's victory pelvic thrust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a thing now. He, it's like a victory bang. He's like humping the huddle. Yep. And uh, so so we're, we've got more audio. That's the only thing that made the rounds, that audio. But I think Shippy tracked down some other audio that we'll get into later in the presentation. Yeah, Zeke emailed me some clips. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. On his Google account. Very nice. So we've got other audio uh, of Dak Prescott in the huddle. You don't want to miss that. That's coming up at noon. We'll get into Broadus's recap coming up momentarily. Jason Garrett's press conference is coming up. Uh, we've also got graphic details of an NFL player losing his arm. That's crazy. Including oh. like 911 calls and, yeah. and descriptions and then how he's dealt with it. That's really, really good stuff. That'll be coming up at 11 o'clock. But we should probably start by, I don't know, saying goodbye to the ballpark in Arlington slash Globe Life Park. Have you guys been getting uh, misty-eyed and emotional and all that sort of thing about this? Not quite. But I did when I turned it on to the game a little bit last night and was going, man, I wish there were more people there. You know, I felt like... But it's you know, it was ninety two okay, degrees. So here's what I want to do. Eight thirty PM last night. Before ah. before I admonish Ranger fans for not doing the proper send off, I might need to admonish myself for maybe flipping on the game for an inning or so here in these final month of baseball. Mm-hmm. My uh, attachment to the Rangers has all been through game recaps and an occasional string of highlights I might see. 
So, yeah, I'm with you. And, and you know, hey, it's a school night. And so for us, we're in Salina. Are we going to drive out to Arlington on a school night and for 92 degrees at mm-hmm. night? Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably not. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't even stay at my house if it was 92 degrees in my house. I mean, think about how often you want to be in 92 degree weather. I'd go if 98 degrees was there. That's yeah. fair. That's but, a fair point. So not only that, I mean, it is, it is fun to pay attention to what the young players are doing, but it's like this article we were looking at this morning. Joey Gallo played 70 games this year, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I read that last night, I was shocked because I certainly thought it was more than that. And Do you I know went, why oh. you were shocked? Because you haven't been paying as close attention to the Rangers as you normally do. Uh, yeah, and that happens every year that they're out of it by right. the time football starts. And, but, man, they gave us a pretty good run early they on. They gave us a badass three yeah. months. So I record a Rangers podcast for TexasRangers.com with the great Jared Sandler. I just Ooh. basically throw him alley-oops and he flushes them down. He's good. I'm well aware, Chris. Thanks. And, yeah, he's he's fantastic. And uh, yesterday we we were like, all right, what are we going to talk about on the spitballing podcast? And it's our last one of the year. And he was like, let's just talk about the ballpark. And I thought, man, I don't know if that will get us to 12 or 16 minutes of content. And it ended up being like 21 minutes. Mm-hmm. I, and we talked about nothing else. And, you know, I, I started getting nostalgic. The more we started talking about it, I lost my dad to pancreatic cancer in 2005. But growing up as a Ranger fan here in the Metroplex, I mean, I've got a – there's a picture of me teaching my younger brother, Jonathan, how to run. He That's bad news for him that I taught him how to run. Think about how slow he must be. It didn't work out well for him. But he's in a diaper, and I'm decked out in Rangers gear as a little tiny kid, and I'm showing him how to how to run down the sidewalk. So I was born and raised on Ranger baseball. Both my brothers, complete studs. While they were both, you know, graduating from UT with incredible grades, and then and then like running the masters programs out there, I dropped out of school to be a rapper. So I was by far the black sheep of my family. But my dad and I—it's an old cliche. This idea of baseball. I mean, you know, father-son combinations connect on different things, and maybe it's fishing, maybe it's. You know, whatever. There's a million different things you could connect with on your dad, and so with your dad. And so for me, being the black sheep, I was always in trouble, always making bad decisions. I was always driving him nuts. But the minute we sit down to watch Texas Rangers baseball or listen to Texas Rangers baseball, I mean, it, it, all of a sudden we were on the same page. And so we loved watching Ranger games together. And you know, we've had we had a lot of great memories at Arlington Stadium, mm-hmm. right? And then. You know, later on, it was really more about watching the Rangers on TV. But the greatest moment was when we were covering the Rangers when they went to the World Series for the first time. Mm-hmm. We were at ESPN and we were in the stands with with Frito and uh, right when that when yeah. that where we were. And um, the, I, I just remember the feeling I had. I started crying because I was thinking of my dad. Mm. So my yeah. eyes are watering, and I'm like, "Wow, my dad suffered through so much bad baseball." Yeah. And we suffered through it together. And this is the moment where it's all worth it because, all right, you, you're going to the World Series. Our little Texas Rangers, who have only been around since 1972, are going to the World Series. And my little brother and his friends, they used to have this thing about my dad. They'd say, Bill's pissed. Mm-hmm. His name is Bill, Bill Rogers. And they would be like, <laughs> Bill's pissed. And so they would joke around with each other and and say that. And so Jonathan took that the actual headline from the Dallas Morning News and had it repurposed, and instead of the headline being Rangers win, it said Bill's not pissed. Yeah. And so I've got that framed and up in my house. And all that nostalgia of the ballpark and, and just being a Ranger fan for my entire life came flooding back to me. And I don't know why I got emotional about it. It's not like 
it's going away. It's going across the street. Well, no one, you don't want to go to XFL games there. <laughs> no, there's something special about the big building, though, and, and, yeah, well, and the, time time that you've spent there, the memories that you had in a certain place. It's it's, it's like moving out of an old uh, out of a house. It's going to be a little that. bit different for you because of the age you're at. So those memories of the old ballpark. They don't have any playoff memories attached to them. All the playoff memories are attached to that ballpark in Arlington, yeah. or if you want to call it the Globe or whatever you want to call it. So, like, I was sitting there thinking about what Ben was talking about, the Ranger games you went to growing up. Those are different memories than the ones at the ballpark for people mine and Ben's age mm-hmm. because the Rangers just did, like, the my memories of that older ballpark is like, hey, Pudge is making his debut, or Wilson Alvarez is making his debut. Arlington Stadium? Yeah, it's not like some incredible playoff memories or anything all that stuff and then you had at the very end the nolan ryan no hitters and things but at the very end you know or, or, or the the new ballpark or globe life or whatever you want to call it now that's the one where significant moments in ranger history really happened right but it was but growing up you're right growing up it was like uh, it, i thought richie zisk and al oliver and and guys like that gary ward were like the greatest players on earth and i didn't even i wasn't aware that there was postseason baseball I didn't even know that was a thing um, because the Rangers never went. I always thought yeah. when the season ends, season ends, I really wasn't checking for it. It really wasn't that big of a deal to me. But I, for whatever reason, it's it's closing a it's it's closing that chapter and opening another chapter. And so the the feels caught me off guard a little bit. Yeah, I was. Oh, go ahead. Kate, well, please. as I say, I, I have no memory of the old ballpark from like me as a child. But I've got all these pictures at my apartment right now. That I took home last time I was at Olney's. I was going to do some organizing. So I've been asking you guys for shoeboxes. Um, that's what that's for. So I got a picture. Hold on. You're looking for shoeboxes and you didn't talk to me? But no, I, I think realize, I, I think I realize call no one times. has more shoeboxes than me. Uh, I might need a few. Okay. Uh, but I've had a picture of me and my dad. And I'm a I'm a baby. You know? Oh, I'm uh-huh. not a baby. I'm like two. You know? Or three or whatever. And me and my dad. And then I went to a game probably about a month ago and my par- with my parents and my brother. My brother's got a one-year-old daughter. So I got a picture of my dad with his granddaughter now. So it's like that type of thing for me is the way I'm kind of thinking about it. Because mm-hmm. I don't remember Arlington Stadium. She won't remember this stadium. But you got like images of it at least to kind of to kind of keep. And then we'll move on. But it's, for me, the ballpark is like, that's where I first started covering games as like an intern. Yeah. You know, like I remember that and getting nervous when you walk in there. And, oh, crap, man, a lot of these guys don't talk. Oh, uh, man, what's up with all these beat writers not talking? Oh, crap. Uh, so... Is that type of thing, or, or having a stroke when I saw Emily Jones, uh, you know that type of stuff is what I remember. Oh, whoa, wording. Uh, by the way, oh no, no, like a by the way, a mini stroke. Oh, so I'm saying it's not a medical, uh, but uh, there is some audio if you want to get you, you want to be even more nostalgic. Uh, Eric Nadell, uh, the the uh, just classic Hall of Fame voice of the Texas Rangers, he kind of put a bow on the ballpark with this tasty nugget. Early in the 1993 season, Tom Schieffer asked me if I'd like to see where I'd be working at the new ballpark. So we put on the hard hats and walked over. And when we got up to where the booth would be, it was obvious this was going to be unlike any ballpark I'd been in. We would be surrounded by absolute grandeur. Tom explained he wanted the park to be gorgeous inside and out. The dimensions to create lots of triples. All the way to the train. The fence to allow for home run saving catches, all of which, of course, came to be. Caught by Gary Matthews! Unbelievable! 
On opening day, there was a rain delay, during which I stepped out of the press box and gazed down at the concourse filled with thousands of people who had taken shelter. I was blown away by the Texas-sized concourse. And I think the ballpark came of age in our first playoff series in 1996. The way the crowd responded to the national anthems, the way they stood for every pitch, even though the Saturday game started at noon after an exhausting ninth inning loss the night before. I think the pennant clinching moment in 2010 is everybody's favorite. The Rangers are going to the World Series! The way the ballpark exploded in euphoria, I couldn't talk for almost a minute. I was so overcome with emotion. And when we finally played that first World Series, it was Mitch Moreland's home run, culminating a really long at bat, that provided us a win in the first World Series game played here. But most of all, I love the way this ballpark looks from the outside. The baseball lights, the carvings, the way the whole place looks when you get off I-30. Thank goodness it will still be here in all its beauty, even as baseball moves across the street. Pretty great. So, so awesome. What does he mean in all its beauty? Because I really don't know what the future of that building holds. Uh, what do you mean? Uh, you know, he just said it'll still be here in all its beauty, even as baseball moves across I, the street. Like, I think he's saying that no matter, they're not getting rid of it. And so when you drive by, I mean, that was one of the main things they wanted to do, make the outside as beautiful as the inside. Mm-hmm. And so it's a pretty cool, majestic looking building when you approach it. I think he's just saying it's not going away. They're just going to leave it there. And still gonna, have I guess they're going to use it for something. I mean, I, I, I mean, I figured that they would, honestly, I figured they would turn it into a living. I like that idea. You know, because so many people, yeah. I just think about how we were in our 20s. We would want to live there. You have yeah. Texas Live in the ballpark across the street. Yeah. AT&T down the street. What an incredible place to live in your 20s and early 30s if you're single and be able to go to games. And, mm-hmm. But, you know, we'll see. So you're talking about, like, would you add buildings inside the stadium? I, think, I mean, they're going to have XFL games. They're probably going to have concerts. They're going to play High school baseball games there. College baseball games would be played there. Okay. They might even have basketball games there. I know it sounds crazy. I, they might add basketball games. I'm there. with Skin. I don't care about seeing high school or college baseball games there. I, no. I think you you look at the majestic nature of the exterior. You've got those office buildings in, in center field, and mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll still be office buildings, or could they turn that into condos? If they turn that into living, they will be pumping life into that area like never before. Which you need density around, you know, development. Right. You need people living in close proximity and you need a lot of them. Right. Uh, to, to make those businesses successful. But, you know, you could, you know, I can, I can just remember we went to Detroit and they had the old, was it Polo Grounds, whatever that old Detroit field was called. And forgive me if I'm butchering it, but you could still go there. Like where the park was. Yeah. Um, I, I think they had torn down the stadium, but you could still go there. And, and I, I thought that was really cool. And that would be great to live around that. They should not, you know, leave the field open and have it be a giant open area, mm-hmm. you know, for your dogs or to hang out, to have picnics, to throw Frisbees, whatever the hell you want to do out there. Repurpose it into something that's not just, hey, we're going to have some events down here on yeah. this field from time to time. Yeah, and and dude, every single living, like if you look at all these new condos, they're trying to build it around shops and restaurants mm-hmm. and live performances. Because people don't want to travel too far if they don't have to. Yeah, so think about that. If you still have it be a music venue, that's pretty cool, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if McCartney played there and Billy Joel's playing here and Al Dean's about to play there, I mean, they can do anything they want to do. Did you see the light show they had for the McCartney concert and the fireworks? I mean, they can have big shows there. Mm-hmm. And if uh, bands maybe think, hey, maybe I'm not big enough to be at AT&T Stadium, 
but let's try this. I want to do an arena tour. Maybe I think I'm bigger than the AAC. I could play here. I mean, well, it's an option in that in that attendance level. Well, we have a lot of uh, cowboy stuff going on, but certainly pay attention to this weekend as the Rangers say goodbye to that building, and Chris Woodward will join us at 1220. It's the Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. Before we get to the Jason Garrett pro- uh, presser, Let's get into Broadus breaking down last week's game in an incredible way. What did he have to say? We'll get into it next. So ESPN just came out with their list of the top 100 players, I guess, the NBA as of right now. And they've got Zion Williamson as the 42nd best overall player. What? It's the highest ever in the history of their player power rankings that a rookie has been ranked. I I think there might currently, currently be two Pelicans that are better than him. So I'm really... Do the Pelicans have three of the top 42 guys? There's no way of knowing if he's right now the 42nd best player. What are you even basing that on? What he did against Carolina last year? Like, what are we doing here? Right. Good. You know what happened, though? They did it because it's on behind us and we're talking about it. Yeah. So it, it doesn't even matter. Like, it's just, hey, what's some content, guys? Let's put Zion way too high and see what happens. Hey, guys, can you put the Cowboys in that NBA list? Right. <laughs> because if you can, I guarantee you we can get more clicks. Where uh, would the Cowboys be on the top 100 players in the NBA? Antonio Brown, 79, what? Uh-huh. Rico Gathers <laughs> is not even in the NFL or NBA. He made the list. So uh, by the way, the Cowboys are king when it comes to ratings. And uh, with more proof on that, here's Jonathan Shippy oh, Shipman. well. Yeah, so we are going here to the Twitter account of one Rob Phillips, who has an interesting note based basically on Sunday night football games and how prominent the Cowboys have been. The Cowboys have been in a league-high 25 of the 85 Sunday night football games that have surpassed 20 million viewers since 2011, and Cowboys Saints this Sunday in primetime should be no different. Okay, hold on, hold on. I'm processing a lot. How many games since 2011 have had over 20 million viewers? 85. 85, and how many the Cowboys have been in? 25. Wow. A little less than a third of them. Wow. Dude, I'm fired up for Sunday Night Football. I'm already drunk. I can't wait. Uh, Okay, so how will that change your viewing experience being a Sunday night game? Oh, for me, I always – so when when the Cowboys are a Sunday night game, that I always look at as, okay, I'll be in and out on the other games and try to get whatever I need to get done family-wise or whatever between 12 and 6 and then really settle in with whatever I'm going to eat or drink around 6 o'clock. But if there's things that are family-related, I stick my I don't sit down and watch two back-to-back NFL games, and I can't I can't watch 10 straight hours. My right. wife will kill me. Yeah, It affects my binge drinking on Saturday more than anything else. I go a little bit harder when I know I don't have to be up oh, and around in the morning. Yeah. Uh, but yes, Sunday undoubtedly will be me locking in at noon on my couch. And probably not moving unless I get up to go get some junk food mm-hmm. uh, sometime in the late afternoon games. And you have that toilet couch. I got the toilet couch. Oh, so I got great. everything you need. Don't even have to move. God, that's, that's incredible. Awesome. I got one of those uh, beer helmets, too. So yeah. I just got the whole thing. So I'm good to go on Sunday, man. It's a good 10 hours straight of just do you, watching Red Zone and getting after it. Do you have anybody to massage your legs for the atrophy and just for just sitting there on the toilet for 14 hours? Uh, Yeah, but it, you know, it depends if grandma's available or not. Right. So she, sometimes I, she has to go babysit some of the other great grandkids and stuff. So I'd like to know, does the Sunday night Cowboy game cut into sh- wherever Shippy's going to be on in Uptown that night? <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll be at home. <laughs> Hanging out, watching the game, and not be going anywhere on Sunday. Not even like when the game's over. Nah, probably not. 
Probably not. Wow, you, you guys lost your that? fastball. No, yeah. hell no. Because I'm washed up. Like mid midnight thirty last Sunday night, Shippy posted he was in some sort of moving van <laughs> and there was a stripper pole and someone was consuming <laughs> alcohol off of a butt. Yeah, there was a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> but escalated quickly uh before we move forward completely to sunday night football and i'm super stoked about this marquee matchup it's gonna be a lot of fun even without drew Brees. uh a big challenge for the cowboys i want to put a bow on the dolphins game and the best way to do that is to analyze the thoughts of one brian Broadus, just the absolute best in the business and really enjoy his work at dallascowboys.com and of course on the fan and He's just got some of the things that stood out to him as, as a scout, the scout's eye, and, uh, and it, the headline was inside a dominant blocking effort. And if you think about all the time Dak had, you had two running backs go for over, over 100 yards each. Mm-hmm. The offensive line was on fire. And he starts with, uh, he says, one of my favorite Tyron Smith blocks is when he invites the defender up the field, then clubs him. Uh, <laughs> Then clubs him with his right arm. It's an ambush. It's such a violent move that has so much power that it stuns the defender. Uh, What's even better about the move is when the defender tries to redirect back to Ezekiel Elliott and Smith is waiting right there to finish him off. Oh, my gosh. Just the whole description of the way Tyron goes about his business. So throughout the history of film, there's these movies where like, a band of seven guys come together to protect a village or something like that. I like the idea of a movie where it's like the village is just protected by Tyron. It's just Tyron. And like all these pirates or, uh, you know, renegades, buccaneers, whatever, are coming into the village and Tyron's just smashing them off like he does on the Cowboys line. Yeah. A quick note on the Cowboy Hour the other night uh, that I did on Monday nights. We do it every Monday night at 6 p.m., but it'll air at 7 on the fan. It was Tyron and Lyle. And some questions were going around about, hey, how has Lyle improved and what has he done? And Tyron's commenting on Lyle, and he's talking about Lyle being more patient. Lyle used to want to line up and kill guys. But then I asked, because most O-linemen would say, I prefer to run block because I don't have to think. Snap, go to your assignment, right? Mm -hmm. And in a pass block, you kind of got to be balanced. Tyron, do you prefer run blocking or pass blocking? He goes, "Uh, I care for a pass block. Yeah, I mean, both. But I like staying balanced. So he's sitting there. He's got this, like, he can kill you if he needs to. But the way he's thinking about football is in such a, like a, you know, almost like a ballet type of way. Just stay in balance, make sure I don't, uh, you know, overextend here. And he was like, Lyle needs to be more that way. And, you know what that and is, And that's ben. what he's getting better at. And I'm like, that's just incredible. You know what that is? That's, so there's the dad bowl and the baby bowl, and they're up on top of a hill. And they mm-hmm. look down there, and all those cows are down there. Yeah. And the baby bowl says, hey, Dad, what do you say we run down there and we <clears throat> one of them cows down there? And the dad bull says, no, son, why don't we slowly walk down there and do to all of them? <laughs> you like what you see, Pac-Man? Pac-Man. <laughs> <laughs> little colors reference there for you kids out there. Yeah, uh, It does kind of make sense. Yeah. Way, we don't happened. have to run down there and do that. Why don't yeah. we just patiently walk down there and do all of it? Now, Tyron, according to Pro Football Focus, has not yet allowed a, a pressure. Is that right? Not a sack. Oh. Not a not a pressure, not a quarterback hit, nothing. What a badass. Well, the Saints are tied with the Packers, uh, who you play in week five, at a 37% pressure rate first in the NFL. But they didn't get to Russ the other day. They had a hard time getting to Russell Wilson. The, the elusive day, Russ Wilson. Who was very hard to get to. But no. And so this is the this is the best uh, you know, defensive line you'll be you'll be facing. Put it now, that way. Keep in mind, Broadus breaks down twelve things here. Okay. Twelve different slides. We're not going to get to all of them. I want to get to the three that I think are the best, but by all means go to DallasCowboys.com 
and check out a scout's eye, something he does after every game. Uh, this one, though, I wanted to get to. He says, when I watch Robert Quinn rush off the edge, it reminds me of the drill Rod Marinelli has the line do around the bags. You know what he's talking about? They set up those giant, like, six-foot uh, six bags, and you come flying around the side, you turn the corner, you bend, and you slap, and you fly towards the quarterback. And that's exactly what he looks like he's doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it you know, his speed and quickness is insane. And so he said Quinn is textbook with this technique. He, he You swat the hands down, dip the shoulder, explode flat to the quarterback, and swipe at the ball. There were several snaps where he was right on top of Josh Rosen, just missing the ball by a fraction of an inch, which to me, since this is his first game back, this dude is going to bring it. I mean, I think they're, we're about to see, you know, people are worried about the lack of turnovers, the lack of sacks, mm-hmm. but I think it's about to ramp up significantly with two dominant edge rushers because that I, I think Quinn is that. I think you're right. So, Ben, at the happy hour last week, we keep referencing Charles Haley because he was such a uh, electric personality. And talking about Quinn getting up ready to play in that game, we were talking about how many snaps he would or wouldn't play. And Haley goes, Tank's not going to be double teamed anymore. That was just his real simple, yeah. straight-to-the-point analysis. Once Quinn's out there, Tank ain't going to be double-teamed anymore. They can't do it. He's flexible. I mean, he's, he got, he's got bend. And, you know, I think when we got him, everyone was just thinking of him as just an older guy who's had some injury you know, injury history and things like that. But he's a very bendy guy. Going around those bags, there was a still shot that was taken back in training camp of him being you know, like horizontal with the ground, but just a little bit off the ground. Like mm-hmm. he was planking, but off the ground. It's like... Holy cow! This guy can get way low. I mean, that's going to be trouble. And the, another thing that I think about with with Robert Quinn, you know, that speed element they ha- kind of haven't had. Uh, they had it a few times with Randy Gregory, but they haven't had that over the years. They had Tyrone Crawford playing that position over time, so yeah. it's a it's a different wrinkle to the defensive line for sure. He shot out of a cannon, uh, and and so Broadus also has some love for Byron Jones, which you know I, I can't get enough of that. But I, I want to get to this one. Uh, he says, I had a look. This is Brian Broaddus, DallasCowboys.com. I had a little laugh to myself watching this tape. Immediately, I'm like, okay, what made Broaddus laugh while he's watching tape? He says, Jason Witten and Lyle Collins caught Taco Charlton on a double team block. <laughs> <laughs> right, the sound of that made me laugh. Driving him five yards off the ball. After Zeke carried the ball for a nice gain. Uh, and then was tackled, Witten decided he was going to keep drive-blocking Charlton down the field. He couldn't get away from Witten, who gave him one more final shove at what I'm sure was the echo of the whistle. I'm sure Witten also said something to Charlton as he looked back at him at the end of the play. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, What would that have been? I mean, that was clearly sending a message. We'd heard Charlton was on the outside looking in. You know, when we talk about... Man, usually if a defensive end is lined up against a tight end, the tight end's screwed. A He's tight supposed end, to get destroyed. A tight end should not be able to manhandle uh, a defensive end. Now, obviously, he had Lyle helping him at the beginning of the play, but mm-hmm. Broadus paints this picture of Witten just B-slapping him down the field and then saying something to him about it. Can I, I, I would like to, since we've killed him so much on the station, I would like to give Taco some credit. Did y'all see the tweets he put out yesterday? No. Yes. He no, was I didn't see it. very appreciative of the Dallas community, saying a lot of nice things to where I was reading this going, you know, I don't know what prompted it, but I'm, I really do genuinely hope he doesn't blame others for his issues. And he looks at it and goes, you know what? I'm going to go make the most of this situation because he's playing – and, and a, look, if you're going to go start your career over, go to a place like that, 
You know, even if it, you don't stay with that team, you're going to be on the field a bunch. Show everybody that you can play in the league and give yourself a chance. I yeah. think he's still cool with a lot of those guys, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he was in the Hot Boys. You're yeah. still wearing a Hot Boys hat on the field. <laughs> now, that was odd. That was odd for him to yeah. show up with that hat. Yeah. It was kind of a weird thing to do. Still in the gang, guys. <laughs> hey, guys. Good to see you. <laughs> still uh, in there. <laughs> anyways, thank you to Brian Broaddus and DallasCowboys.com. You hear Broaddus on the station all the time, but... Hey, make sure you're going to read his stuff at DallasCowboys.com. There's a lot of good jewels there. All right, coming up next, the Jason Garrett Press Conference. We've got Dirk Street signed to talk about. we got Locker Room Culture and exclusive audio to the Ben and Skin Show of Dak Prescott in the huddle. You do not want to miss this. That's coming up at noon on the Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.